It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. edition of the High Strangeness Factor, copyrighted on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. I am your host, Steve Ward, and with me tonight is Andy Mercer, who happens to uh, uh, run the network, along with Irene Allen Block and Mark Johnson, and is the producer of this show. Uh, Andy, welcome back to the High Strangeness Factor. Yeah, it's good to be back. I'm afraid I missed last um, uh, episode of the recorded. I had a few things happening which have been quite interesting, which I can tell you about in the mo if you want to hear my little story oh. of... Absolutely. Okay, well, I'll start from the beginning. Um, as you probably recall from before, we're in a process of uh, moving, selling our house, looking for a new house, and moving to another part of the country. I am kind of retiring from being a psychotherapist to pursue my plans of book publishing. Well, in the space of little over two weeks, two weeks, we have found a buyer for our place. They made an offer, which we've accepted. We've gone to where we want to move to, found a house, made an offer, and it's been accepted. In two weeks. <laughs> That's amazing. Incredibly fast. And the amazing thing for us is there's no chain either side. The person buying our place is the developer to does buy to let. So it's a business buying us. And the place we are buying, the person passed away. So it's the, the kids are selling the house off. So it's like, that is amazing. It really is brilliant stuff. But it's been, I've been all over the place the last few weeks. We've been forgetting what I'm supposed to be doing and all sorts of things. I nearly forgot about tonight, to be perfectly honest with you. Because we've been so caught up in our planning and getting things ready. But that means I can now start focusing on my publishing company that I'm planning to start in the summer. So things are looking good. But it's been um, a bit of an up and down time. My mum passed away a while ago. We had the funeral recently, so that's been on my mind a bit as well. It was um, not a big deal because she'd been seriously ill for a long time. So it was more of a relief for the rest of us really, yeah. that she's no longer suffering. But it's just meant things have been really busy. And it's been quite fun. And I keep forgetting all sorts of things, like sorting out shows and things like that. So <laughs> I've been a bit behind in all the various plans. But it was just a real surprise to get these things happen so quickly. It's just remarkable how fast it all happened. Yeah, it took me a while for the, the house to uh, sell. And then I was, uh, uh, found another house in Point Pleasant. And yeah. it was, it was an, it's a knuckle biter, uh, a nail biter. Yes. Uh, uh, because it was less than a week in between everything coming together and the realtor kept saying oh don't worry you can you can store your stuff somewhere and i thought you have no idea yeah. how many books i've got <laughs> to move it and it, it uh it uh, i think i've told people this that the uh the movers i used it's a a, a group i think it's might be nationwide in, in the u.s uh, two men in a truck and uh, these two guys were just fantastic and the one young man said you have more books than my hometown library and <laughs> It <laughs> may have been right. I've seen some small libraries, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 the, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm facing the same problem as you know. I've got in excess of, of well over a couple of thousand, so it's going to be a similar problem for me. Sure. We're going to. I'm going to pack them myself. The point we we're actually looking at, they, they do pack for you, but there's a few things I said. No, no, I'll pack my books. I'm not letting yeah. you touch any of those. So, yes, it's it's a bit of a fun thing. The um, 
that's the thing we needed to find somewhere that had an appropriate space. My office here, the um, show is quite large. So I'm a psychotherapist and it's my sort of writing space as well. And it's quite big. It's a former garage, but it was a very big one. So to find somewhere that had the similar kind of space for me was important. But you didn't expect to find somewhere. We found it's actually a bungalow all on ground floor but it's what's called a dormer bungalow where there are bedrooms in the, in the loft space basically but it's quite small upstairs but they've literally doubled the size of the ground floor the footprint and it's amazing how big this place now is so it works perfectly for us and one of the nice things we just talked about this earlier on is the back of our house is just a field a big open field with a large conservatory and glass roof to the conservatory i'm gonna get myself a big telescope and keep my wow. eyes skies yeah watch the skies <laughs> you never know <laughs> i might capture something interesting so are you more in the uh toward the country than than the city now or do you have more open spaces where you are oh yes where are we going it's um sort of on the edge of a, of a small reasonable sized town in somerset so it's, it, the communities are not far away a couple of miles away but where we are it's actually a, a village we're moving into we're moving to the very north end of the village so only thing is we're facing north and it's called west view so <laughs> it's like <laughs> compass has got wrong somewhere somehow but yes it looks like it should be nice and quiet where i live now is not far from london it's 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 okay this town it's a very big town and where we're moving to the population is one one hundredth the size of this town <laughs> so it's quite a lot smaller <laughs> well that that sounds really good uh, i'm going to mention very briefly last weekend i made the journey to mason ohio just a, a little over two hours away from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to the Loveland Frogman Conference. Uh -huh. uh, the Loveland Frogman is one of those, and, and Andy and I were talking about this, one of these sort of, uh, sometimes you get these almost one-off cryptids that don't make a lot of sense, but this thing was seen by two police officers uh, a couple of weeks apart in 1972. It was something like it was seen in the mid-50s in the same area, coming out of the Miami River, and uh, there are traditions, apparently, that go back to the Native Americans that were told to the French. So, but it was incredibly well attended. It was just its second outing. And uh, I got to, you know, uh, uh, meet a lot of people that I hadn't seen for a while. And it was a good time. Mm. I was fascinated what you said about this frogman. It's, as you say, there's those one-off strange things that are seen by lots of people, but never happen again. But they're just one of those really odd ones, aren't they? We get to, you know, the Dover Demon was a, a just a, two sightings the enfield horror with its the three-legged beastie and, mm. and so forth and i'm sure our guest has looked into a lot of these things as well and oh, uh and it's going to be fun because uh, uh you and i uh over a year ago i guess now we had a uh, uh we did a, a show by ourselves just talking about the skinwalker ranch and uh you know, it was a, it was just a, it was a lot of fun, and it was very well received. So we will be revisiting uh, some of those mysteries tonight. And so let me uh, let's uh, let me introduce our guest. <clears throat> Cheryl Lynn Carter is a psychic medium, remote viewer, and member of Project of Project Psy, a team of psychic and forensic remote viewers responsible for rescuing missing children, assisting with shutting down human trafficking rings and closing cold case murders. To date, they have rescued 502 children, closed 18 cold cases, and assisted in shutting down 12 human trafficking rings. Having her first paranormal experience at a young age built the foundation for her becoming an explorer of high strangeness and a researcher. Her passion for one haunted location afforded her the opportunity to appear and consult in Chris Halton's Haunted Earth Paradocumentary, A Haunting at Bachelors Grove, one of the most haunted cemeteries in the Midwest. She's a member of MUFON, CE5, and an experiencer. She served as a consultant for Thomas Conwell's books, they are here, Central U.S. UFOs, and Earthquakes and UFOs. Cheryl is an international author of seven books, including Dimensions, Mysterious Triangles of the U.S., and co-author of Digging into Skinwalker Ranch and Skinwalker Ranch, The Basin Files. She's a freelance journalist with her column, The Carter Files, Mysteries of the Unknown in Paranormal Underground Magazine, and in addition, writing for ChicagoHauntings.com, iHeart Magazine, and Mind, Body, Spirit Magazine. Cheryl, welcome back to the High Strangeness Factor. Good to be back. Um, first, I want to tell people that uh, 
I can't remember how you've been on two or three times, I think. I can't remember, but uh, three times, it, I think. Yeah. Okay. They need to go back and check the archives and, uh, and listen to some of those old shows. Uh, uh, they're, they're all, all good shows, and we just always had a good time. Um, the one thing I wanted to start with is that uh, now, when I, I lived in Michigan, we weren't that far distant from each other, and we used to attend these uh, uh, CE5. Uh, gatherings uh i don't know what we want what we want to call them but uh now the close encounters categories you know once you get past three which heinick uh, established when you get into four five six and on i actually read a book once that went up to about 25 of them and uh i, I maybe it was it's like you know being abducted and getting a pedicure i mean it was they were very <laughs> specific I, I i but uh uh, that the CE5 is, is, is defined in different ways. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is uh, uh, Stephen Greer, a very controversial guy, but, but he's the one that the, the CE5 essentially means to, it's sort of a uh, uh, putting on a mindset to kind of reach out to other intelligences. Is that uh, a good enough description? Yeah, we're, we're trying to communicate with them. Yeah. With, with whatever intelligence may be out there. And I do know that uh, there, there, that stuff does happen. I mean, I don't know if it's uh, another intelligence or ET or, you know, where, where two or more are gathered together. Sometimes uh, uh, people can create phenomena themselves, like in seances and so forth. But, uh, but anyway, and I'm, I'm the guy that where, where nothing happens. But this was one night, they, of course, they go through kind of a, a ceremony and people meditate and so forth. And uh, you had your tri-field meter. I had my EMF meter. And all of a sudden, the meter started to rise slowly. I mean, I, I can't remember what, where it went up to, but it was just unusual. There didn't seem to be any reason for it. But, uh, and uh, tell us what happened from your, where you were sitting and what prompted you to take photographs of the meter. We, we had our equipment just sitting on the grass, you know, so right. there should be nothing around the grass. But obviously something came into our circle because we're always in a circle. And I'm I'm looking over at, you know, at the, the needle on the, the meter and all of a sudden it looked like a hand reached over from in front of you and touched my meter. I've got a picture of some kind of a hand. It right. didn't look human. The uh, and and the thing, Andy, is that it 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 was a little bigger than the the small uh, uh, window on the tri-field meter, and it, but uh, you could see it, it was in black and white. I mean, it wasn't mm. like like a, like a black and white image of a hand, but you saw part of like the forefinger and part of the thumb, and uh, the thing is that if it had. Uh, if something had really reached over, the reflection would have been on the other side of the hand, right, Cheryl? Right. So this was like the hand, and you know, it's an image, and and it just filled that that window on the uh, tri-field meter. Now I didn't, uh, I forgot that you had seen something visually kind of reach over. I didn't see or or sense anything, but I I knew my meter was uh, climbing for some bizarre reason. And and the the weird thing is that when like, you know, we've been there several times and things have happened and I try to tell people to look inside the circle because things come into our circle. Not saying they're extraterrestrial, they could just be who knows what we are attracting that night because we're up by the woods and there's just all kinds of things that are in those woods. But people Fine. don't they don't care about looking in the circle. I'm trying to show them what happened on the meter and they're still looking up in the sky. <laughs> well, they're uh, missing all this stuff on the ground that I keep yeah. seeing. I know sometimes it's quite spectacular. Now they told me uh, a lot of stories of things that have happened. They they saw like a wall of mist one time. Uh, it was another time when a woman all just, around our circle, a big was wall. It? it was probably it was probably eight feet tall. A, a wall of mist around us. Uh, what, did it completely circle you guys? Yeah. And, and were you there the night they said that a woman uh, spontaneously started channeling? I missed that one no <laughs> okay anyway it's it's you know i again i don't know what's going on there but but stuff does happen and i've heard many many other stories but uh that uh somewhere i think i've got that uh photograph 
and it would be great for Andy to see it. Uh, yeah. it it's, you have to it, find it. it. I know I got it somewhere too. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, we, if you do uh, send it, and I'll, I'll make sure uh, Andy gets it. But uh, hmm. very bizarre. Were okay. you the night we were doing? We were doing the singing bowls, and something came out of the woods. Uh, I remember the singing bowls one time. What what came out of the woods? Were it lights or? Yeah, they were they were doing the singing bowls, and I mean we were. You know how we were almost down in a in a pit at the yes, field right. there. And so it was, you know, just really reverberating. And again, everybody's looking up in the sky, but I'm looking straight ahead at the woods, and it was like somebody turned on two flashlights. Huh. But then these lights were really big, and you know, we're pretty far away from the woods. So these lights had to be almost basketball size. Mm. And I'm watching them and I'm watching them. And I got out my my fleur. I should have put it on video, but I didn't think. But I got photos at least. And the two lights started changing places, moving back and forth. And at one point, one of them started stretching up and swaying to the music of the singing bowls. Which is which I wish I would have had the video. I have a picture of it, but it's not the same as a video. And I, I'm telling everybody, look, look, and they go, Oh, that's nothing. I go, What do you mean that's nothing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't still don't know what that was. And then we I was watching them for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And wow. then all of a sudden it was like somebody turned both of the flashlights off and they were just gone. Mm-hmm. Very strange. It was. It's funny how often we see those lights as like almost the first sign of yes. something happening. That it's a very common thing, isn't it? And then they start to become something else. But it's, oh, I'm always fascinated with the light anomalies like that because they're the sign of something beginning. Yeah, we it's don't al- we don't know what it was. Yeah, it's almost like there's been a uh, a transition or a shift. I mean, people still see what looks like. Uh, big triangles and, and some nuts and bolts uh, objects, but sometimes it's just sort of light ball phenomena mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, separates and comes together. I, I come to mind uh, Marley Woods in a place in uh, Missouri that uh, Ted Phillips was investigating. They were seeing uh, mostly that kind of uh, phenomena. I mean, they, the lights weren't terribly big. They, they couldn't have been a craft housing anybody. But uh, he, he mentioned that, uh, and he, he's a guy that was, uh, that had uh, investigated thousands of close encounters of the second kind, which of course are trace cases or had left some kind of effect on the ground or trees or or humans. Uh, but uh, so it's just very, very interesting that Cheryl saw uh, what may be, uh, you know, uh, a, a type of light phenomena connected to some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay um let's let's get into the skinwalker ranch you you uh, tell us a little bit about your books and uh uh tell us what what the differences are between them what, what does do are they is one more of a sequel or uh do they have kind of a different structure no they're a different structure the the first book it's called digging into skinwalker ranch and what i wanted to do in that book was find out who were all the people that lived on that land at one time you know, we know we know about the Shermans and you you don't hear anything else besides that. You know, they weren't yeah. the only people that ever lived there. So I did. I, I just got a hold of the, the um, land office in Vernal, Utah. And this nice woman looked up all the, the titles for me. I have pictures of all the deeds and everything. Yeah, that's the, I saw that in your book. Yeah, and I I I, I, tr- I traced that thing back all the way back to when the um. The Utes came from Colorado and formed the reservation there, and that's and they were allotted so much land, and the rest of the land got sold to the white man. So I went all the way back to that time and found everyone that owned the pieces of this property, who they sold it to, how much they sold it. I found pictures of them. They're, they're just real people like us. Did anyone the first, go ahead? No, I was just say, did anyone stand out as being perhaps odd or significant? Anything? I mean, mediumistically, psychically, if you like. Was there anything of any of these people that caught your attention? Well, see that 
people didn't talk about this stuff before. Maybe, you know, maybe they thought that this just regular things that happened. We didn't hear about stuff until the Shermans. Right. They're the only ones that start going public, but other people didn't talk about it. And don't tell me that it just started. No, this yeah. thing had to be happen, you know, all the time in the yeah. whole basin. Yeah, we would have a lot of thought so these sort of things don't just suddenly appear by themselves overnight. There's usually a history of some kind, often that the locals are aware of strange phenomena in the past, of course. So, yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Well, we do know that uh, Frank Salisbury uh, wrote the Utah UFO display. I'm not sure if that came out in the 50s or the 60s, uh, but he, uh, uh, there was a, uh, I think he was a school teacher, Junior right. Hicks. Yeah, he was a science he, teacher, yep. That's right. And he had been collecting reports of UFOs, strange objects in the sky for years. And uh, Frank Salisbury uh, used his information and when he published the uh, Utah UFO display. And the one, one part I remember clearly, they've got a two-page spread of all the different types of objects that were seen. And it's, it's classic because uh, Andy and I have talked about this before where, you know, you, you'll, you'll get generally some of the same shapes. But when you get down to brass tacks, you get down to the nitty gritty, there's just all kinds of variations. And this whole area was just plagued with uh, UFO sightings um, and, and on the uh, now also I mean I'm going to jump around a bit here but you you are uh, you have actually uh, uh, spoken to many of the principals in the uh, the Skinwalker TV show uh, the uh, secret of Skinwalker Ranch correct and, and uh, tell us your impressions you know uh, 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 people are very critical, and sometimes with uh, good reason, uh, that some reality shows are uh, a little cheesy and maybe a little bit fake. <laughs> now, now I'm, my impression of the Skinwalker show isn't that, and I, but I, you know, of course, I don't know it. How, what do you? How do you feel about the people you've met and talked to, and the way the show is produced? They're they're very nice. They're forward. They're just like us. They're you know they they don't try to be something special. They're just trying to figure out what the mystery is on this land. Very nice people, and they're trying to be honest. Okay, well, that's that's good to hear. That's that's my impression. And uh, Brandon, is it Frugal? Is the owner now? Frugal, mm-hmm. Yep. I, what, one, one thing I was disappointed about is that Robert Bigelow has been very tight-lipped about all the stuff they found. And you know that they had, you know, when, if you just read The Hunt for the Skinwalker by Knapp and Kelleher, which is a fascinating book, they were they were in the midst of all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, but anyway, yes, I uh, your, your book, uh, uh, Digging into Skinwalker Ranch, I was, was very impressed with, uh, uh, you're probably, you must have been the first one to actually go back and find all these previous owners. I don't know. I don't remember anybody ever mentioning it before. Did uh, did uh, in your uh, research did did any stories pop out of, of some of the the early settlers, the early owners of hmm. high strangeness? That's what I said. There there are no stories. I'm sure. Not no stories they, at all. No, not not that that I could see. I mean, they probably talked about it with their neighbors and things because you you know there were a lot of stories because. Junior Hicks went around the basin and, and he cataloged 400 cases. So wow. you know things mm-hmm. happened there, but they were never recorded before. Um, yeah, that's it, it reminds me of a uh, a lady I talked to recently in Point Pleasant uh, who grew up there, and she talked about the days when the Mothman showed up in the 60s. She said. You know, if you had something weird happen that you saw something or something in your house, you just kept your mouth shut. You just didn't talk about that stuff. And uh, that's probably uh, very, you know, it probably explains why we don't get any stories from the previous owners. When you got to remember, they were just people, you know, just ranchers going around doing their business. They probably didn't even know what all this stuff meant, you know. They're too busy trying to scrape out a living to worry about uh, okay. Take care yeah. of my cattle and my horses. Exactly. And tell us about the basin files. What uh, what would be the different uh, a difference about that book? Uh, the basin files is is where I got a lot of um, UFO reports, 
legends. Like I, I went, you know, belong to MUFON, so I can get in to look at all the cases. I pulled up a, a lot of the cases. That's what mostly that book is about. And the the reason that that Bigelow didn't share anything was because when he was awarded that uh, two-year offset program for two million twenty-two million dollars, he was up. He was called a private entity. So he is not covered under FOIAs because tr trust me, many of us have tried. <laughs> I, I believe it. This is why we don't know if he yeah. found anything. We don't even know if he found anything. We're always given the impression that there was stuff he did discover, but as you say, chosen to not to disclose it. It was always a bit frustrating when he goes, you'd like to know there must be something there and covered all the work they did in all those years. And it's such a refreshing contrast, the current owner's approach to be much more public about what's going on, which is nice, but there must have been stuff that they've discovered they just didn't want anyone to know about. Well, you, you can actually uh, read a lot of it in The Hunt for the Skinwalker. I mean, mm. uh, they... Uh, uh, it's strange creatures, and some of them were barely visible. All kinds of different craft. They it, here's one thing, uh, Cheryl. You know, if if uh, if you take all the, the the broad spectrum of stuff that happened on the Skinwalker Ranch, and you know, if let's just say we're, we we use your books as a reference and the hunt for the Skinwalker, uh, if you throw out certain things. You could imagine that we're dealing with ET or beings from another dimension. But when you look at the whole spectrum, uh, the, the bizarre cattle mutilations that happen just uh, over a ridge in 15 minutes, uh, the uh, the strange creatures, uh, the, the disembodied voices. Uh, there was one researcher, I think, that kind of went through a possession thing where he started babbling some in some kind of language or something. Um, uh, the, the poltergeist activity in the house, the, the trickster phenomena. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got this, uh, it just, and, you know, they, they had, uh, they would see strange birds sometimes, like tropical birds, these giant spiders in the trees, the, the wolves that showed up in the opening of the Skinwalker Ranch, that these, like, dire wolves, these, these uh, giant wolves that were uh, very resistant to gunshots. Uh, so, I, yeah. you know, I just, I just, uh, uh, do you have any? Uh, well, maybe we should we should get into the remote viewing now, because I'm sure I'm sure Cheryl has all the answers we're going to need on the Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, I wish. I wish. <laughs> but I, you know, the more, I, the more I see, the more I, I have questions. Well, that's kind of the way. That's kind of the way it goes, you know. Um, right. I if know you that, say we have all the answers, then then what good is that? That's that's not research. No. Mm. Uh, um. There, there have been some, uh, I know, uh, military remote viewers that have uh, remote viewed the ranch, and I think they covered some of that in the book. But I don't know that anything was terribly earth-shattering. But first of all, how did you? Uh, uh, is this uh, was this kind of a natural ability for you, or did you train under somebody, as so many of the military remote viewers did? See, there, there's two different kinds of remote viewing. You know, I don't do what the military does. I, I was born with this gift. I've always been able to do it. I didn't even know what it was called when I was a teenager. I've just always been able to do this. And I'm actually I'm actually able to. Communicate with things that I, you know, spirits and people that I see when I remote view to these locations. Military can't do that. They're just pointing out stuff. Right. So, so how did how did you approach? Uh, how did you begin to approach remote viewing the Skinwalker Ranch? Well, when I when I wrote the book, digging into Skinwalker Ranch, we had a um, remote view that this woman did, and I didn't really care much for it because I thought it was kind of hokey. Because she was talking about all oh, the there's natives there, there's blood, there's a bell. Okay, that's kind of hokey. Okay, anybody could make that up. And I said, okay, I'm going to remote view. Okay, I didn't see any of that. First thing I saw was this young woman, maybe 18, 19 years old, and she's holding a child in her arms. As I get closer, she's looking right at my eyes. We are looking at each other. Oh, she sees me. 
And then I see that her baby is dead. And she looked at me and said, medicine woman, save my baby. And I saw that the child had been trampled by some animals. And I said, oh, I I can't help you, you know. And why did you call me medicine woman, you know? And so I saw her climb up to the top of the ridge and she buried him up there. And there is a cemetery up there. So the next thing I saw was um, a native man standing on a, a creek, a small creek, and there was a beaver dam with two beavers. And he looked familiar to me and I go, how, how could that be? I've never had been to Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know anything about it. And then I realized that when I go to Sweat Lodge, this man has been appearing to me for seven years. All right. His name is Stan's Looking, and he he protects the ranch. He used to be a medicine man. And he keeps pointing to the east. He wants me to see something in the east, but see, I don't know what this is. But something very important. Have you ever uh, uh, picked up on something uh, an intelligence that was not human. <laughs> Here we go. After I did this remote view, you, you know, you know, when you, you're a paranormal investigator and you always worry that something might follow you home, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I never had something follow me home when I remote viewed, but you know, we're talking about Skimwalker Ranch here. So yes, something did follow me home. All right. And I'm sitting there one day and all of a sudden somebody's downloading binary code into my brain. Good grief. Yeah, that's what I said. And I go, stop, stop. And this voice on my left side goes, it's okay. It's okay. And I looked and I thought it was a shadow figure, but no, it was something in the shadows. And it had like big eyes. And I didn't think it was alien. I thought it was interdimensional. Because uh, I, I did when I remote viewed, I did see that there were two dimensions on the ranch that were trying to clash into each other, and I don't know what would happen if they ever did merge. That might be another story. So they just kept downloading the binary code, but it was going so fast I could not write it down. And I don't feel like I'm enlightened or anything. I don't know what the purpose of of sending this code to me. So then um, last September, I went to an event down in Utah and we went up to the stop sign by the ranch gates. And as soon as I got out of the truck, that same voice said, pick up that rock. And I start laughing because we're standing on a gravel road. So I saw this oval shaped rock with um, amid all the, the gravel and I said, that's kind of cool looking. So I picked it up. And the voice said, not that one. And I start laughing. Okay, we have a comedian now. So I says, I'll put it in my pocket and give it to a friend. So I looked and I found another one that looked like it. And as soon as I picked it up, the voice said, the binary code has been activated. And this rock started vibrating in my hand. Oh. Now, when I came back home, I put it on my driveway with my tri-field meter. And it registers four. It's a rock. See what I mean about more questions? Yeah. <laughs> so are, are you enlightened yet? I don't feel like I am. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe, <laughs> at, you know, uh, uh, John Keel talked about people having uh, uh, illumination or, or whatever. He would, uh, uh, there was one He'd been seeing flashes or something like that. But then one night, it was like the universe opened and, and all this information was downloaded into his brain. And he, he knew that the you know secrets of the universe and so forth. And he okay. went back to sleep and couldn't remember anything See? that had happened before. 
And, and many he talks about many other people that have had that kind of experience, but they don't seem to be able, they, they have this wonderful experience or, or strange experience, and then they're not able to pull it up. Which, which is amazing because, you, you know, the Rendlesham Forest story where he, where Penistead touches the UFO and all this binary code downloaded, I don't know how he could write it down because mine came so fast. Right. I'm sure there was a message, but I don't know. So did you get to uh, go on the ranch? No. Oh, okay. Bummer. It's been a long-term mission to find someone to come on the show who's actually been on the ranch. It seems quite hard to find anybody, isn't it? Uh, how did you... Uh, how did you first learn about the Skinwalker Ranch? Was it on uh, like Coast to Coast AM or what? Yeah, yeah. Okay. long time ago, yeah. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was when I started hearing about it. I think in the uh, early, mid-2000s. Um, and uh, I was just fascinated because uh, Colin Kelleher, who was uh, uh, running the, I think he was running the science part at Skinwalker Ranch, working under Bigelow, and uh, George Knapp, the investigative reporter from Las Vegas, who broke the uh, Area 51 story, uh, they would come on occasionally, and even Bigelow came on a couple times, and you'd get these tantalizing stories about, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the, the time that the cameras, uh, that the cables were all ripped out at the same time, and they nothing was seen doing it, and uh, the, the, the night after the that calf was mutilated. They were tracking some two different creatures in the snow. Uh, just, just you know, bizarre stuff. And man, when I saw that book hit the hit the stands, uh, it was in my grubby little paws right yeah, away. Yeah, got it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was. Uh, and then uh, uh, I know. Uh, I, I guess uh, maybe Nap finally did do a documentary uh, for a while. Bigelow asked and said, I, I can't tell you not to do it, but I, at one time he asked him to hold off because they had had so many people try to trespass and, it's, you know, it's a 24-7 job keeping people off the ranch. It still is. It yeah. still is. That's too bad because, uh, you know, they, uh, I would love, I would love to have access to the ranch sometime. Uh, people even don't understand that there's dangerous things there. Well, yeah. Like, these things happening. Yeah. Well, what about the story? Uh, uh, the Shermans, he and his son uh, were out there. Some guy, had, they had, uh, in the 90s, they had a few stories had gotten out. And this guy uh, pulls up to him and he wants to know if he can meditate on the ranch uh, because it's, it's some kind of a spiritual quest or whatever. So they looked at each other and said, oh, sure. And so he's out there in the field meditating and this thing this roar happens and this thing comes toward him and later on when father and son saw the movie predator they said it looked kind of like that that kind of a uh, uh sparkly uh you know uh, translucent whatever mm -hmm. and it scared the living daylights out of the guy and he ran off the ranch so that was the end of his spiritual quest i guess <laughs> but uh but that's you know that's something that that's interesting because i have talked to uh uh, well, Linda Godfrey, who we lost recently, she right. and, and another lady, uh, Kim Poppy, uh, there was an area in Wisconsin with the uh, Bigfoot reports and so forth. They saw that kind of a shimmer. Uh, there is uh, um, uh, Tom, Tom Powell is another Bigfoot researcher that has recognized that there is uh, something a bit paranormal to some of it. And uh, he calls it the shimmer. And then the uh, in the Valley of the Skookum, written by Sally Shepard Wolford, uh, they have a tradition there of the the Native Americans uh, have their own name for it, and uh, that's the tradition with them is that that's the portal that Bigfoot steps in and out of. Mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting always to find these patterns, these these. Uh, uh, oh, and then uh, uh, Cheryl, you're familiar with uh, Missing 411, right? Yes. Uh, have you read the book on hunters? Yes. I and met David one time. Oh yeah, I I, I met him at uh, in uh, the Pittsburgh area, but remember the last uh, story in there where Jan Maccabee is in a in a, uh, uh, oh, a hunter, hunting yeah. blind, and uh, all of a sudden everything gets quiet, and she's seeing that kind of a shimmer in the trees, maybe fifteen feet away, and it's kind of jumping around. 
uh, and then and she took a picture and off on the edge of this, you can see like these long black hairs, but the rest of it is distorted. So I'm wondering if any of that has a, a similar root cause or you know, a similar connection to what uh, they saw on the ranch that time. Look on Expedition Bigfoot. They've had that same shiver thing. Oh, they have. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I forgot where they were investigating <clears throat> that night, but yeah. Uh, are there any other uh, significant uh, remote viewing experiences you've had in connection with the ranch that you could tell us about? That's the only one I've done. I need to do a new one, I guess, after all this binary code stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how, how many uh, how many of the principals have you been able to interview or talk to on the ranch connected with the ranch all of them oh really Travis too yeah I I went to um I went to an event last year and I had oh that's right a media and I had a media pass so I got to talk to all of them oh cool uh, uh anything you can tell us any uh tidbits gossip anything that uh you know uh, it, it might hit the inquirer. Just kidding. <laughs> no, they, they, they've all had things happen to them. They've all had things follow them home. Really? Mm. You know. And uh, we got there's a new season coming out now. Uh, yes. Do you know anything about the new season? Anything that they have? Uh, no. uh, okay. No. It's probably okay. all very much under wraps. Yeah. We shall have to wait and see then. I guess so. Coming up soon, April. Ah, excellent. Well, I watched the first two seasons back to back, both seasons, one after the other, together. When I was when I first saw the founding, was that? But you're behind. Awesome. This is season four. Oh, well, I've, I have my means. Don't worry, Cheryl. <laughs> <I've waited laughs> the American version. And that was actually fascinated by. I mean, not often something keeps you awake at night thinking about stuff like that. But I was really like, intrigued because there's no obvious one answer, is there, to any of those phenomena? It seems as if it's the home of all the possible phenomena you can think of, which always suggests to me there's some underlying force behind it that's just kind of almost playing games with us. It's, it's manifesting in various ways, but there's something else deeper behind it. And from what I can remember the program, it's like deep as you could be deep underground with it, as well as being above at the same time. Because that's one of the things I really found fascinating, this kind of echoing of effect of underground and somewhere above them, as if there's some kind of magnetic field that's running between the two that's creating this kind of weird vortex around the place. That, that's what I saw when I remote viewed. I, I I did. I saw I saw a vortex. I I saw things happening under the ground. You know, there's things under the ground, on the ground, up in the air. You're 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 talking about you know spirits of people that used to live there. You talk about elementals, mm. interdimensionals, extraterrestrials. There's all kinds of things happening there all at once. Yes, you never know what you're going to get each day. That's what makes it so fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, besides the uh, the voice that uh, that dealt with the binary code, have you had any other sort of uh, messages, communications, or or, or sense anything from uh, something that wasn't necessarily a a spirit of somebody that had passed on, but uh, something that was clearly interdimensional or alien or or different? Well, the the thing the thing about this, you know, this is in my you know, did I get a message, you know, am I enlightened or something? I was writing a book and one morning I woke up and this voice is telling me, no, you need to set that aside. You need to write this book. Oh. So I'm doing a new book now. So is that them telling me that I was supposed to go this direction? Hmm. It's just that kind of almost like guidance. Mm -hmm. You have to follow that path, and if it's something that seems to be suggesting you need to look into the area, you have to just follow it. I'm I'm writing a, a book about um real UFO encounters and abductions. Excellent. Okay. What was the book? Can you give us a hint about the book you set aside that you will finish someday? Um, it was about how different ancient places around the world are aligned with Pleiades. Oh. Oh. That's cool. Yeah. So I got two books started. I got to get them going here. Uh, let me let me give us our, our station identification here and we'll get back to it. 
You are listening to The High Strangeness Factor, copyrighted on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. I am Steve Ward, and Andy Mercer and I are talking to Cheryl Lynn Carter about her books on the Skinwalker Ranch and many other things. And speaking of other things, uh, give people a, a kind of a, a, a review of your earlier book about triangles. And when you say triangles, there you talk about these high strangeness areas that many like to label as triangles. And what uh, we, we did a show on that before, but give uh, people an idea what they'll uh, read about if they were to order it from Amazon. Yeah, it's, it's called Dimensions, Mysterious Triangles of the US. And there, there are triangles all over the world, but everybody's heard of the Bermuda Triangle, but there are lots of triangles, which I have selected 10 right in the United States. And I know a lot of people have heard a lot about the Alaska Triangle lately. Right here in Michigan, we have a Lake Michigan Triangle. I didn't know that till I started researching. And I'm originally from Illinois and I found out that there was a little Egypt Triangle in Southern Illinois that I never knew about. Hmm. Isn't that the location of the big muddy monster? Yes, it is. Very cool. I wonder uh, where the uh, uh, how close the Enfield horror was. That's, to, uh, that's included in the triangle. Also. Is it? And, and the it people is. that don't know the Enfield horror was uh, uh, a three legged beastie with arms protruding out of its chest with pink glowing eyes. Now, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lady that uh, we've had on the show before, and I think Zelia was uh, co-host with uh, you one time, Cheryl. But uh, she has written a great book called Just Another Tinfoil Hat. Oh, yeah. And she and she's she very, very Keelian in her approach, John Keel. And uh, she talks about uh, his, his ideas about transmogrifications of energy. Well, she coined this term that I wish I had thought of. So she calls some of these things, some of these, these beasties that seem to just pop out of nowhere and then melt away, uh, lost in transmogrification. Mm-hmm. Now, how cool is that? Yeah. And, and she calls them, uh, some of them like the Enfield horror, possibly they're just some kind of a flopped projection. I mean, you know, Bigfoots come out pretty good. You know, they're, they're kind of humanoid. They can uh, forage and so forth. But man, uh, well, this poor guy's got three legs and, and two arms protruding out of his chest. Uh, I don't know how he eats at a restaurant. No wonder, no wonder he's not too happy, you know. No, I, know. <laughs> I mean, how's he going to scratch his back? That, that's just that's just. Uh, but uh, oh, that's that's pretty cool that uh, I didn't know the infield whore was was part of that uh, area yes. as well. Uh, and then what about? Oh, no. Uh, Roro <laughs> sounds like Scooby Doo trying to form words. <laughs> I, I think he was uh, the Rochelle monster. That's probably Indiana, I think. OK. Um, uh, what else uh, do we need to know about your books and your research on the Skinwalker Ranch? Well, you can get them on Amazon, or if somebody wants a signed copy, they can message me on Facebook. Okay. Um, and the uh, uh, is are there any uh, uh, specific uh, uh, stories or events that uh, you can tantalize us with? Well, that's that what I want to talk about here. How about the the buffalo soldiers that were living? Oh yeah, the, yeah. Mm. So they the, the buffalo soldiers came came out west in 1886. They were the Ninth Regiment Cavalry. There were 75 black soldiers, and they helped build Fort Duchesne. Right. Now there was a place, you know, when they when they were go off base, and it it was called the Strip. And that's where they would would go drinking. They would they would cross the the little stream there. They they go drinking, and then on their their way back, they would throw their empty whiskey bottles into a causeway that was below the Uteland. And there were so many bottles that got thrown there that it became known as Bottle Hollow. Ah. Uh. Now this is only two miles from Skinwalker Ranch. In 1970. The area got filled in with water and they made a lake, Bottle Hollow Lake. And all of a sudden, all these giant creatures were coming out of the lake. Giant snakes. Some some tried to uh, grab a person and, and pull them down and make them drown. 
And actually, tribal police have seen UFOs plunging into the water and back out again. Oh, just like in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I know. They're, you always hear about them plunging into the water. Where are they going? They're, they could be in our oceans. Who knows? Mm. Even the ghost rockets plunged into lakes in Sweden. And there was nothing found in the bottom. Hmm. I, I, uh, the, the snakes, the giant snakes, have been yeah. seen in more recent years as well. And uh, I mean, that's mentioned in the Hunt for the Skinwalker. I talked to a guy several years ago that went camping on property adjacent to the Skinwalker Ranch. And he, he claimed he got on top of a rise and, and looked down in some of the area. Didn't, didn't see any. Skinwalker Ridge. Skinwalker Ridge. Okay. He didn't see much of anything. He was there about three days. But he did see, he, he claimed he did see something like a giant serpent in one of the reservoirs from a distance. So I don't know how credible that was or not. But well, that uh, would have been Bottle Hollow. That wouldn't be the ranch. Okay. Well, that's what that's, yeah, that we're, I'm not sure exactly it was in that area. I, it I don't know. It would be a tribal land, yeah. Okay, come okay. in. Um, do you have any plans to uh, uh, to write another book on Skinwalker? Oh, I'm sure I probably will. No, no plans right now, but probably will. And and tell us uh, the. Uh, I got to finish these two books first. I I know you got to. <laughs> those voices have got to give get you a break so you can finish something. Uh-huh. Um, uh, tell us about the uh, what is the this tradition goes back a long way. It's the path of the skinwalker. Tell, tell us about the, uh, I guess, the Native American traditions. Uh, it wasn't wasn't Bigelow or Sherman's that made up the name skinwalker. That goes no. back quite a ways. Yeah, and actually, I you know I've got a, a friend that's that's at Navajo, and she she's from New Mexico, but she's been around by Skinwalker Ranch when she was going to school. And she doesn't even, she says, they don't even like to say that word. Mm-mm. Because I asked her if, if you've ever seen photos, there's um, around the property, there's uh, these skulls on the fence post. You know, mm-hmm. what, are the, what are the skulls for? And she says that was, that's to keep things into the ranch. Right. Ah. Think about that. Hmm. You know, so so what what is a skinwalker? It's it's a it's a shapeshifter who has the ability to assume at will the form of a wolf. And back, you know, the, in the Navajo tradition, when someone became a medicine man, they had to learn the good way and the bad way. The bad way was was called witchcraft, and it was known as the witchery way. Now, someone that is using the witchery way, they could turn into a skinwalker. It's not a creature. This is a, a human. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you ever saw the, the TV show Dark Winds. No. Great show. It was about two deputies on the Navajo reservation. And there was actually a woman on there who was a skinwalker. I love that. I've never seen that portrayed on TV before. Uh, I know it gets, uh, when you get into the, uh, uh, we won't get too much into the skinwalker stuff itself. It gets it gets pretty dark. But I, I always wonder, what what is it about, you know, you've got that tradition in this area, which is pretty freaky and creepy as it is. And then on top of that, or next to it, or because of it, I don't know, you've got this uh, vast array of of paranormal phenomena that is uh, it's just mind-numbing, mind-boggling. I just wonder what, what the connection might be, if there is one. But it's it's the whole basin. Right. Yeah, what, what is it about about that area that that well, causes this? I, I'm not sure. Does it does it extend beyond that? I mean, in that part of Utah, are, are, are there a lot of anomalies that do you know uh, where people experience uh, similar kinds of things? When 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 uh, when Salisbury was writing his book mm-hmm. about the Utah UFO display, do you do you know what area he, those uh, 
UFOs were being seen in relation to the Skinwalker Ranch? I don't really he, know. He was he was interviewing people in the whole Uinta Basin. Okay. Yeah. Do you know how many miles that is? Mm, not sure. Okay. But the the reason the reason he started doing this was because he he was he was a science teacher at the high school and he had his class outside one day and they're looking at plants and they look up in the sky and his class of thirty students saw this huge UFO above them. Oh wow. And that's that's when he says, okay, we can't be the only people that saw this. And he started mm. talking to people and he found out, no, they weren't the only ones. Or was it so, a one-off sighting? So thankful to him that he did this, you know. Was it a one-off sighting or was it seen on more than one occasion? Oh, many occasions. He's got oh. 400 cases. Good Lord. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a that's a good uh, record to have. And in recent years, uh, uh, is is Frank Salisbury still with us? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but he uh, not too long ago, a new edition of the Utah UFO display was published with a uh, uh, a long forward. I read it a long time ago. I don't remember you know uh, what it said, but it was nice that uh, it was uh, reissued and available for people. Um, so, Andy, is there anything that uh, that I have missed? That I can think of? No, it's um, it's one of those cases that just raises so many questions and there's so few real answers to any of those questions. But it's still I, it's one of the things I love about the Skinwalker story, if you like, is it just doesn't fit any category. It doesn't matter what particular ideas you come to the story with. There's always things that don't fit into that. And it's interesting that we can talk about this place over and over again without ever really reaching a conclusion as to what on earth is going on there. It's such a fascinating place. Uh, I mean, creatures that sometimes don't leave footprints, but yeah. they see them. They, they took a took a shot at it up in the tree and it was sure it fell down. And they found like one footprint with a, a kind of like a like like a raptor, like a giant bird or something like that claw mark. Uh, and those those wolves were seen all over the place. The, the cattle would disappear sometimes. They'd see the the uh, uh, prints of the cattle and they could tell they were running. And then all of a sudden it stops like they were picked up. Yeah. You know, you've got uh, 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 some of them obviously were these gruesome animal mutilations. But, uh, of course, Cheryl, you remember the uh, the uh, account of the bulls, the Angus bulls that yeah. were vanished from their pen and ended up kind of jammed together in that old white trailer in yes. kind of a stoop. Oh. But then, you know, you can, uh, and I mentioned this before, you, uh, Dove and Wales in 1977, uh, another bizarre series of UFO reports, silver-suited beings, little guys that look like leprechauns and egg-shaped craft. Uh, the the, uh, the Coombs family kept having their cattle disappear from the pen and end up a half mile away at the Broadmoor farm. And uh, a, a somebody I, I interviewed uh, uh, last year, Cheryl, Alan Godfrey, I uh, had a famous uh, uh, missing time case, and he was a police officer in Todd Morton, England. And uh, he was called out on a call uh, because uh, a, a people were reporting seeing these cattle in a gated community. I mean, there's no way they could have gotten in there. And, and she saw this, you know, she saw this strange light. He goes out there thinking, okay, this is a hoax. And she told him, she said, look, I might be old, but I'm not crazy. And so he's driving back to the police station. He sees a classic flying saucer. Uh, later on, he realizes he's missing a half hour of time. He finally has, goes under regression, has kind of a classic UFO experience where he's got this uh, this guy who calls himself Yosef inside the craft, uh, wearing white robes and looking pretty human. But he's surrounded by these ugly little guys that, that <laughs> Godfrey said he can't even look at them. And then and during part of this, he's under hypnosis. And uh, Andy knows this story, but he he uh, he stops and he says, "There's a bloody dog in here. There's a, a a large black dog about the size of a German Shepherd inside a spacecraft." And uh, so the whole it's another one of these crazy uh, uh, sequence of events that uh, you know. Uh, I mean, who knows what really happened? He's it, it, uh, Alan Godfrey is a very very solid guy. He even earlier on, I won't get into it, but he had a. Uh, 
it investigated a case that was very much like a missing 411 case uh, several months before. So, you know, his life was uh, full of uh, uh, strange events. But uh, and the, uh, the the other thing I want to mention is uh, uh, the gentleman that uh, wrote the screenplay for the Mothman Prophecies, Richard Haddam, uh, reminded me of something you said, Cheryl, because he uh, he said when he first got into the paranormal realm, he was going to solve the mysteries, man. He was going to figure things out. And the more he got into it, the more it was kind of slip sliding away, you know, is it get more more questions, more confusion and more pathways to go down. So I think, Andy, that's the way we all kind of feel, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Certainly indeed. I just I just thought of something, you know, you want to talk about a strange thing happening. Um, yes. I, I know I know a former guard. One of Bigelow's former guards, and he says he was on duty one night and he looked up on Skimwalker Ridge and he saw a man standing there. And he goes, OK, I'm going to have to go check this out. You know, somebody's trying to trespass. And as he's watching, the man started walking. He fell forward on all fours and he turned into a wolf. Oh. So the next so the next morning, this was at night. So the next morning he goes up there to look for footprints and he found footprints of a human and then they turned into animal footprints and then they just disappeared. <laughs> and do, do you feel this gentleman was credible? Absolutely. I know. Him, okay. yeah. mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So. Well, that explains things. <laughs> and and some and something he always likes to say, um, if you look for the light, you will find it. And if you look for the darkness, you will find it. That's what he thinks about the ranch. Hmm. Well, you know, so don't, don't go looking for bad. <laughs> <laughs> as if it responds to what your expectations are. Right. Hmm. Even when you're a paranormal investigator, if you go looking for something dark, it's going to come at you that night. Yeah, yeah. You know, use your common sense. Yeah, uh, that's that's why I leave most of that uh, investigating to other people <laughs> so they can come and tell me about it. Yeah, uh, I have no problem with it, but I said you have it's your perception you know, what you're you know, what you're putting out there that night. Right. Mm. Now, the, the CE5 events seem to be generally positive. Or at least you have not, to be. You have to go in there yeah. positive. Right. You get I mean, what you give. I mean, there's some very strange stuff that seems to happen, but it doesn't seem to be negative at all. Mm -mm. No, th those events just always left me with more questions. Yeah. I don't know what we contacted, <laughs> what they were trying to tell us. I don't know. So uh, uh, you've got uh, uh, some books in the hopper and uh, uh, you've got uh, several books we talked about tonight. You can you can get them all on Amazon still right. available, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, are you uh, do you have any appearances or anything coming up? Nothing that I have planned. OK, I'm going back to Utah in September, but that's a long way off. OK, that's cool. Um, I'll be uh, attending the Mothman Festival and uh, a the Van Meter Visitor Festival that, that month. So I'm, I'm kind of excited George Knapp's going to be there, so I'm going to pick his brain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. Uh, have you read this, this his sequel yet? To uh, He wrote a sequel to The a Hunt for the Skinwalker. No. I forget I forget what it's called. Uh, uh, Skinwalker's in the title, but it's just one of, the, one of the many stacks of books I haven't conquered yet. <laughs> well, very good. Um, is there anything else that we uh, we should we should know about you before we sign off for the night? We don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I I have not read all the way through your books, but I was very impressed. You know, you you go through, you can see the research. Uh, you've uncovered stuff that nobody else has, and it's a you know there, there's a the thing I want to tell people is there's a lot of books out there uh, on the Skinwalker Ranch now. And I, I don't know how to uh, to judge a lot of them. You know, uh, the one the the the, uh, 
the 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 uh, the first one was the Hunt for the Skinwalker by George Knapp and Colin Kelleher, but I highly recommend Cheryl's books as a, a supplement to that book and uh, to continuing to try to understand more about the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, some of the other books may be uh, very valuable. I don't know, uh, but I can, can certainly recommend Cheryl's books. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Okay, well, let's let's uh, close out the show then. Thanks, thanks for being here, uh, Cheryl. Uh, it, it's always that. fun, and they, and again, people need to go back and listen to uh, the past shows. Uh, you had a uh, a bizarre experience with sort of a invisible or translucent Bigfoot-like creature one time, uh, yeah. and uh, you've had experiences all your life. So, and we talked about a lot of that stuff in earlier shows. And Andy, great to be back. Great yes. to be doing shows again. So uh, been good today. Yes. All right. Well, stand by, and I'll do our make the closeout. <clears throat> the High Strangers Factor was created by Steve Ward and Andy Mercer, and is copyrighted on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. I want to thank the three musketeers that run the network: <laughs> Irene Ellen Block, Mark Johnson, and Andy Mercer. Uh, I'm not going to cop to being D'Artagnan. I'm not going there. <laughs> also, I want to thank Andy as host and Brian Zeller and Andy Mercer for the uh, opening and closing themes for the show. I can also be heard on Mac Maloney's Military X-Files Weekly as a correspondent on the same network and many other platforms. And I am Steve Ward, your humble host on The High Strangeness Factor, a displaced Michigander deep in the Ohio Valley in West by God, Virginia, living on the same road that the Mothman chased cars in November of 1966. Thank you all for listening. Andy and I will see you all again in a fortnight. Take care. <laughs>